Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 30. Hey, this is Dave Sanderson. I was the last passenger off U.S. Airways Flight 1549 to land in the Hudson River, best known as the Miracle on the Hudson. And if you want to be the best you can be, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you enjoy the show, then please, please open up iTunes, hit that subscribe button, and if you think we deserve it, tap on the reviews tab, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that includes where you're from and one aspect of the show you love the most. Then go ahead and screenshot that review and send it on over to Travis at buildyournetwork.co along with your name, that's Travis at buildyournetwork.co, and I'll give you a shout out by name in a future episode and you'll be entered into a contest for $250 cash. 
And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Dave Sanderson. Dave is an inspirational survivor, speaker, former head of security for Tony Robbins, and an author. His thoughts on leadership, business, and survival have made him an internationally sought-out speaker. When U.S. Airways Flight 1549 ditched into the Hudson River on January 15, 2009, later known as the Miracle on the Hudson, Dave Sanderson knew he was exactly where he was supposed to be. The last passenger off the back of the plane on that faithful day, he was largely responsible for the well-being and safety of others, risking his own life in frigid water to help other passengers off the plane. Today, Dave travels the globe sharing his inspirational and motivational leadership messages. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on that intro and tell us more about yourself. Well, well, thank you very much, Travis, for having me. I'm very honored to be here. So I, you know, I, as, you, as you sort of mentioned, I was actually in sales for 30 years. Uh, I've been in a few sales organizations. And that day when I was in uh, New York, I was in a, a three-day business trip uh, in technology sales. So I, uh, in addition to doing that, I was also a head of security for Tony Robbins. I have a wife and four kids. So there was a lot of, a lot of things going on in my life at that point. But I was always around. How can I improve myself and how to grow? So, you know that uh, that day you know, was just a normal business day. We actually started our day at roughly 5 a.m. because we were working in a distribution center in Brooklyn, New York. And if anybody is listening has ever been or worked inside of a distribution center, they open up extremely early in the morning. This one opened up at two o'clock in the morning. That's why our day started at five. You know, and so we got done at 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, my game plan in sales, because I traveled so much, is always make the my flight the, la- the flight out the last flight of the day back where I get a direct flight. So, you know, because you never know how the day is going to run. Things could go uh, blow up on you pretty quick. But we got done about uh, 10 o'clock. So I said, okay, let's get home early. So that's when I called the travel agent and I worked with her. She put me on flight 1549. So uh, I truly believe that. But, you know, there, I was supposed to be on that plane for a reason because I gave up a first class seat at five o'clock for seat 15A at, uh, on that plane. So I was uh, I was supposed to be on that plane, but nothing extraordinary about that day. You know, it was 11 degrees of snowing, but you're in New York in the winter. So nothing, nothing extraordinary about that. And I was happened happen one of the first passengers on the plane that day because of my status. I was a chairman. I was a top chair because I traveled so much. So I just I went back to my seat. You know, I did exactly what I did every single time. I did not pay attention. And like most people who get on a plane now, that they don't pay attention. I didn't pay attention. But uh, as uh, as you know, if you've seen the movie Cellular, you know anything about the story, about 60 seconds after we took off is when and I uh, heard the explosion on the plane. And it was a loud explosion, got my attention. So, um, you know, I looked up and looked out the window. I saw fire coming out from the left wing. So I knew something had happened. But, you know, planes lose engines. You know, I thought, you know, big, no big deal. It really didn't start on me too much. But, you know, I think that's when uh, – you know, God's grace entered on this plane because no one on the plane knew what happened on the left side where I was also, also on the right side of the plane. And I think if anything would have, if anybody would have cross-referenced or talked to each other, you know, there could have been a lot of panic, but no one panicked on the plane. And I think that was one of, one of, the, one of the critical factors on how this thing turned out because no one lost it on the plane. Because, you know, if you know, people start losing it, they start getting, making irrational decisions in their minds and start doing things that they probably wouldn't do normally. And all of a sudden, now you have other things you got to pay attention to instead of worrying about the outcome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that was a big, big factor likewise. Explain to us a little bit more what happened that day from your perspective. And I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen the movie solely and everything like that. I want to hear more from what happened from your perspective on the back of that plane that day. 
This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So, you know, what, what really happened the back of that plane, once once this captain skillfully glided that plane over the George Washington Bridge and got it down, it was a hard hit. Water started coming in immediately. But I think, you know, one of the things that uh, really stood out to me, and I really, it was later validated in a conversation I had with Captain Sullenberger, and it was me and a few other passengers, he gave us some perspective. And two things happened on that plane. First, getting it down was an amazing experience for Captain Sullenberger, but getting out was a total team effect. So put, you know, being able to work together as a team, with you, you have 155 people who did not know each other, who did not care about each other, pulled together in a matter of six minutes to do something that had never been done before. That shows you the power of teamwork right there. Have everybody checks their egos at the door. But one of the distinguishing factors on, I think, how that happened was if you look at the passenger makeup of that plane. And I never really understood the power of that until you know, he sort of shared the, some background. And roughly 90% of the people on that plane, Travis, were business people who travel like I did pretty much every week, a few times a week. So you had you had about 10% of the people. You had a, you know, a couple families and one, one or two elderly, elderly people. Who, so your, your, your variables are sort of limited. So, you know, at that point, you know, people could take care of themselves and sort of make decisions. So I think if you look from the back of the plane where I was, we had one elderly lady and one family. So the, the, the variables to handle that were pretty diminished. And so I tell people one of the strategies now, get on a plane, look who's on the plane. You can sort of tell what's going to happen. If something does happen on a plane, how the outcome is going to be because of the passenger makeup of the plane. And it's a great metaphor for business because you have to have the right people in the right seats on the on the plane to make it happen. Just like in the business, you got to have the right people in the right positions, you know, and and you can sort of determine what kind of outcome you're going to have. So I think, it, you know, the perspective of having the right pass, you know, having the passenger makeup on the plane and people not panicking 
and freaking out. Now, the term that I've used many times is it was controlled chaos, which means that, you know, people were moving fast and no one was standing still, but no one was pushing each other. No one's getting, you know, hurrying. No one was, you know, being out of place, but it was controlled chaos on the plane that day. And, you know, it wasn't my game plan to be the last passenger out because my game plan, Travis, was when I got to the aisle, my first thought was get to the aisle, get up and get out. But when I got there, something happened that changed my direction for that day. It probably changed the direction of where I was going as my mom, who had passed away in 1997, kicked into my head. And what I heard in my head was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And the right thing for me was you take care of other people first. And so I went towards the back of the plane to see if anybody needed help. And once we got everybody out, that's when I started making my way out of the plane. It was about waist deep water at that point. Luggage had flown out. It's dark. So it was, you know, trying to get out of the plane was pretty interesting because you're, every time you took a step, you hit something. And all the further I could get out, the first thing I saw light was on the right side at 10F. And that's when I started to get out of the plane. But when I started to get out, I looked out and there was no room on the wing or the boat for me. Uh, so I, that's why I was inside the plane for about seven minutes, waist deep in 36 degree water, holding on to the lifeboat because they were floating out into the river and they needed a way to get onto the wing. So that's how I started uh, sort of helping what was going on in the plane is holding on to the lifeboat, hanging out of the plane. And, and when I was on Good Morning America, that they, that's what they shared with me, how I became the last passenger off. And it was, a, I was an amazing picture. I was, I would never forget uh, my reaction the first time I saw it, but, you know, it was a matter of teamwork. You know, people managing their minds in a crisis, you know, persistence. There's so many lessons out of this. Um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Now, you went straight from there to the hospital, I assume, right? Tell, walk, walk us through that a little bit. So when I got to the ferry, I went out to the right side. And the ferries, if you saw how the plane was situated, if you look at, if you see the movie, the left side of the plane was facing towards Manhattan. The right side of the plane was facing towards Hoboken. And I went out the right, so I was heading to Jersey. So I went to the triage center first, where they they diagnosed me, and you know that's where I didn't. I, I thought I was actually dead because I was, had a tag on my foot. They tagged me. I was ice cold, couldn't breathe. I had no. They took all my clothes off, so I was naked, sitting on the floor, and it was. Uh, I thought I was dead, but uh, fortunately for me, the EMT diagnosed me pretty quickly because she thought I was uh, go, going down pretty fast. So I went to the hospital immediately, probably about five minutes after I got there. Maybe I don't know, maybe five or six minutes. Uh, but that's where they diagnosed me with hyperthermia when I got to the hospital, and uh, my my body temperature was 94, and it was um, it was pretty much what I was told after looking at the records. Everything south of my heart, abdomen, kidneys, everything was frozen, and that's why it took them fr- five hours to warm my body up because they had to do it gently because uh, they would have done it rapidly, it would have shocked my system so much I probably would have gone into severe shock or maybe something even worse. Now, how has your daily life changed since that experience? Well, one of the things you realize when you go through a situation like this, which I call, well, the term I use for a traumatic life event like this is a personal plane crash. When someone goes through something like this, all of a sudden you sort of get your priorities realigned. And one thing I realized is, is you know, my time management was really out of whack. Uh, you know, I was focused on business achievement, doing, trying to, I was really modeling Travis, what my dad did. He was, he, uh, he made a lot of money. He, he, you know, we never, we never went without, but he was never home and he was never with us. So my mom was a strong one in our family. And what I realized was I'm sort of pat- mimicking that pattern because I was always away. You know, we we're making a lot of money, which is, but you realize you know, all the things you miss with your kids. And that's what's changed on a daily basis. The most anything. Now I, I, actually schedule my day around my family events instead of scheduling the family events around my, my business. 
What is and what does life look like for you now? So on on a on a weekly monthly basis, what what are you doing? What are you doing these days that's different than what you were doing before? Well, I you know it was about two and a half three years after the plane crash, I still I was working for the company I was with, uh, but I knew I had to get out because I fear realized I was just a number there. So you know now you know I have my own business. I not only speak around the world and I do that. Uh, uh, depending on the month, anywhere from four to six times. But I, you know, I, I write books, I do blogs, I, I, uh, you know, I do workshops, I do a lot of media events and try to help raise money for the Red Cross. And so my life looks like right now that. But like I mentioned, one thing has changed with that is, is I look at the family calendar first on a monthly basis, and then I schedule around the family calendar. Now there are times when there's definitely conflicts, and my kids are older now, so I have a little more latitude. But that's what my life looks like now. And Kaylee, it's, uh, it's much better when you can control your own time instead of some working for somebody else and they controlling your time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely agree with that. Um, now switching gears a little bit here, Dave, since this is, this is build your network, the guide to growing your inner circle. Yep. Um, tell us about a time when a connection in your life led to a moment of success. Well, you know, really, I'll go back to, uh, there's a lot of times, but the one that stands out is that day, the day after the plane crash on, on January 16th, because, you know, when I, here's the short version, I was on, you know, Good Morning America, the early show Fox and Friends with another passenger, and, you know, I, I needed to get home, and my U.S. Airways liaison was making plans for me to get back, and we got done about 9 o'clock that morning, and the first flight was at 10, so she told me that, you know, I can't get you home until, you know, after after 12 o'clock. But I told her I want to go home now. My, I knew my family was at the airport because the U.S. Airways had told me they were, were making arrangements. So, you know, she said that you, uh, you know, yeah, I can't get you there. And I said, you know, I got to get there. So what I told her to do is call the director of Port Authority. And she's like looking at me. And I gave her his business card. She's looking at me. She's like, call the director of Port Authority. I said, call him. He knows me. And she sort of freaked out a little bit, but she called the director of Port Authority. And six minutes later, I had a police escort taking me from Weehawken, New Jersey to LaGuardia in 16 minutes in a pimped out Escalade, <laughs> me and my sweats. And I tell people, that's the power of networking right there. Because everybody the night before, here's the, here's the backstory. Everybody the night before, the governor of New Jersey, director of Port Authority, FBI, Homeland Security, New York, New Jersey State, everybody wanted to talk, talk to me. And they all left their business cards and said, call me if you need anything. Hmm. And I cashed in. Yeah. So that day, I cashed in with the director of Port Authority. But when I got to LaGuardia, I didn't have have an ID and TSA wasn't going to let me through without an ID. Mm-hmm. So I played the Homeland security guy's card to TSA the same way I did the, uh, port authority guy. And I <laughs> got to York with party security without an ID by playing that. So I tell people the power of networking, man, you never give up your business cards. You no, never man. give them up because you never know how that one connection can help you get to a place where you can, uh, you need them, whether it's, it's life, life you know, threatening or not how they can help you. With that being said, with knowing that networking is that important and knowing people is that important, why do you think, Dave, that so many people fail at increasing their influence? Well, I think one of the reasons people don't expand their influence enough because they don't ask. Um, and I, you know, I think that's, it just comes as easy as that because I know, remember when I was first in sales, you know, I was pretty aggressive, but I didn't play that. I didn't know how to network. I didn't know how to play that card because I thought, you know, all these people were better than I, mm. but once you get to a certain point, you're like, you know what? He puts his pants on, she puts her pants on the same way I do. Mm. And so, you know, all of a sudden I never had a challenge with networking and I'll tell you a specific instance in business, how that played, because my last company was Oracle and, 
the, 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 one of the things that the vice, my vice president, who is a dear friend of mine to this day, couldn't understand is how am I getting in the C-suite? You know, all these other sales guys on the teams were playing at the, the IT world and director level. But here I'm saying with the CFO, CIO, and CEO of companies, you know, on, and they're like, well, it's because I knew how to network. And I networked with other people, right? Who do you know to get me into this person, right? And it all of a sudden, and I t- treated them like people. I didn't treat them like they were the president of, you know, GM. Right. They, yeah, this right. is Joe. Here's Joe who goes to church with me, right? Mm-hmm. So I treated I treated them exactly like I would treat anybody else. And with for credibility, I get, I'd be straight with them. I would never lie to them. And, and, and I think they really respected it. And they knew that I was going to be there and have their backs. So... You know, the one thing that people never understood is the strategies. Never, no one's ever asked me the strategy at Oracle on how I did it. But here I am sitting in this, talking to a CEO one on one, and everybody wants to come with me because I'm sitting with the CEO, and I'm like, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I don't right. want you. Right? I got to build credibility myself. Yeah, definitely. If if you had to boil it down to just one thing, Dave, I know we've talked about a couple of things so far today, but if you had to just boil it down to one tip on networking, what would that tip be? Well, one thing I say is, you know, once you get a, once you get somebody's name or a connection, do your research and understand what this people's this, this person's background is, and I think that, that has added more value to me because now it's a lot easier with Google and everything else. Back in the, in the late '80s, you didn't have all this, so you really had you had to network with other people, and that's what I used to do. If I to give you an example, if I needed to get the a CEO or executive of a company, and my first area was in Columbia, South Carolina. I knew nobody in Columbia. So I used CPAs and bankers who have great influence and credibility to find out information around people I wanted to be with. And by networking with them, I did, actually did an article in a magazine called Network Your Network. And it was it was an article that can only tell you, how do you network your your network to get to the net, next network, <laughs> the next step up? And it was, it was pretty basic information, Travis. Right, but right. But you know, when you're first in sales and you have a new area, you have to do, you have to build credibility some way. So I, that's how I did it through my CPA and, and banking network to uh, get the people I need to get to. Is there a place, either online or in person, Dave, that you go to specifically cultivate relationships? We well, you know the one area now I go to cultivate relationships is through LinkedIn. And and Canley, I wasn't doing much with LinkedIn previously, but. I've realized, especially after I started my own little business here and, and, uh, and what I've been done speaking around the world, people want to connect with me and they, and they tell you basically where you are in your network. And so you, know, you might be second or third level deep in a relationship, right? So it, I'll tell you that. So it tells you how, what, so how do you have to go around the network to build to where you need to get to? I think, so I think LinkedIn is my, my go-to source right now for when I to cultivate relationships. Probably the biggest mistake that I see people make when they, when they network, when they connect with others is that they're con- constantly only asking for something in return. They're, they're always looking to take and take and take and take and take. What, what are some practical ways that you try to give back to your inner circle? Well, I, I work with a little group of speakers right now from all over the country, and we actually are doing this right now because I think most people, you, you're, you're spot on. People want, always want something. And people ask me for something all the time. It's like, you know, so what I always do is I, you know, I focus on how I can add value to other people. And I don't ever, you know, I usually don't ever ask for anything up front. It's like, you know, if I can send them a book or send them some inspiration or 
send them a contact to somebody they want to. You know, yes, yeah, so I give you an example. I was in Columbia, South Carolina, speaking last week, and and somebody asked me if I could help them get to another place. I'm I'm not even in Columbia, South Carolina, but at least I knew two people who could get to that person to a better place. So you add value to other people without expecting anything in return, and that's why I tell these these younger people now who come to me and ask me, "How did you make it? How did you do this?" I said, you know, it's not rocket science. I wasn't the first guy to invent this, but what I did is I actually took action and implemented it. And uh, if if I and at first I have to say, Travis, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be all pious and everything. I was probably asking a lot for a lot from a lot of people. Yeah. But to start learning, right? It's like you know, the, when you get to a higher level, it's like how can I add value to other people first? And then you know what? As the Bible says, and it's true, it comes back tenfold, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the uh, curse of um, being a salesperson is that uh, uh, I think we I think we all go through that phase at the beginning of just trying to get and get and get and take and take and take and then takes a slap in the face or two to realize that that's not the way that life works. So, um, Dave, who is the most interesting or influential person that you've met through networking? Well, you know, I've I've met so many, uh, but you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, the other day, and I, I, I was going to give you a guy's name. My name is Jim Hansberger. And the reason I say that is I was um, I met him through networking through Tony Robbins when I was the head of security. In fact, I was an assistant head of security at that time. And I met Jim because I, I escorted him uh, to the event, but I didn't know Jim from Adam. So, you know, I, but he gave me his car and said, hey, if you're ever in Atlanta, call me. And here I am. I'm in Charlotte. I'm in Atlanta. And here's this guy who is in the top 50 financial advisors in the world. Yeah, he worked. He worked with Sir John Templeton. He was his right. I was his mentor. So he, this guy, was playing in circles that I can't even think about playing <laughs> in those circles, right? But so, but he gave me his card, and so, but it was all. By, and I, so I called him one day, and his assistant gave me time on his calendar. So I drove down to Atlanta, and I took him out to lunch, and I, you know, I just I got into his head, and I think you know, I, there's a lot of people I would say I've done that with, but Jim Hansberger, you know, I mean, when you get to be somebody in that level, the top fifty in the world. Yeah, you're talking people who can who have influence and who can give you direction that you would never have before. So again, so I would say he, I would I would pick out Jim right now if I about pretty much anybody. There's a lot of people though, but I think Jim's one of the top ones. And out of all the people that you've been able to meet, uh, Dave, who is the best networker that you know, and and what makes you choose that person? You know, it's I appreciate you asking. You know, and, I, and I have to say, you know, I'm friends with Tony Robbins. I've never seen a guy who can network like him. I mean, now take he has he has enough resources to do it. All right, so that doesn't hurt him. But Tony's pretty good. I tell you, you know, there's my little group here. It's amazing. There's a guy in my group named Tony Rubleski, who I really he is a master networker, and I I met him, and he's just, he's another speaker, but he is he's he knows how to work the system on how to network with people in a way that. Uh, yeah, he uses systems, he uses people, he uses resources. I think that uh, he's he's one of the best I've I've seen here lately. Um, he yeah, just a guy who's in my little group here. And if you moved to a brand new place and lost all of your current contacts, what would you do at that point to start rebuilding your network? Well, if I lost everything, I yeah, I right now there's so many other ways to do it. I would probably go to the local library if I had nothing. Go to the local library, get on the computer, go on Google. And start looking for people who could help me get if I wanted to be in sales, if I wanted to speak, somebody who's influential in that area, start networking that way. But I would first go if I had nothing, because I've been there, Travis. I mean, you know, I haven't been to this place, but 
you know, the day of the plane crash, they took all my clothes. I had no money. And I tell people when you have no clothes and you have no money and you have no friends and you're in New Jersey, <laughs> you know, you have nothing, right? You got to figure it out pretty quick. So I'm, I'm pretty good at figuring stuff out. So I would say if I had nothing again, I'd probably start going to the library because you can get on a computer there pretty much quickly and free and Google and start finding some people who can hopefully get to me. I can get to and help me, help me get to a better place. Man, so much good stuff here, Dave. I could honestly keep talking and talking and talking with you. You got so much good stuff to say. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, transition into something I like to call the random round, which is just a few quick questions and a few quick answers to go along with them. You ready? Yep. Let's rock. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? I've always wanted to be an astronaut. I was, I mean, when I was back in the sixties, I, I want to be an astronaut, man. That was it. That was, I still want to be an astronaut. <laughs> I want to go to the moon, man. Yep. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Well, that would be Jesus. And I really want to get into his head and understand what really went down, right? And what I've read, is it true? And give me some perspective on what should I be expecting? What should I be doing? when to get to that better place. How do you like to learn best, books, blogs, or podcasts? And right now, the way I learn best is through actually through videos. I, you know, I listen to podcasts a lot. I write blogs. Uh, I don't have a time to read a lot of books. So I say right now, I'm a video learner. So show me something, I learn it quickly. Is there a, a YouTube channel that you like to look at, or is it just mainly whatever comes up on newsfeed, or how, how does that work? I've got, I'm attached to a lot of YouTube channels and, but, uh, you know, whatever, really whatever pops up, if I see something of interest man, I'm, I'm all over it. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. And I'll tell you what, I, and it's, this started back, uh, back in the early 1990s when, you know, I was overweight. I get up. The first thing I do is I work out every morning. Um, got to get the body. I got to get the energy going. So work out in the morning. You know, now my doctor wants me to eat a little bit, so I eat a little bit. But then it is, uh, you know, the, getting myself centered for the day and then start rolling. And then I start making phone calls or doing emails to make sure I can start connecting with people immediately. What is your go-to pump-up song? Yeah, I have a pump-up song because I have a walk-on song when I go on stage. And, and it's right now, it, uh, I have, actually have two, but the one I get really pumped on is Evanescence, you know, Bring okay. Me to Life. Okay. That's, that's the one, man. Yep. What are you not very good at? I am not good at doing like, like electricity or electrician stuff. I'm getting good at plumbing, but I ain't good at that. <laughs> All right. Was, my language. <laughs> no worry. Uh, as we get everything kind of wrapped up here, Dave, what is one place where we'll be able to find you the most? Well, probably finding me the most would be on Facebook under Dave Sanderson or Dave Sanderson Speaks. I got two pages. Okay. Um, but but that's the number one most. But go to my website, Dave Sanderson Speaks, because I get everything. I have no filters. All righty. Well, go check out DaveSandersonSpeaks.com, and uh, there you can find everything about Dave Sanderson. Dave, thank you so much for coming to the show today, man. I, I know you're a super busy guy. I really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on. Thank you very much for having me, Travis. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away.